Go ahead and have a seat. So uh, John Piper, if you know who he is, he had a quote. Uh, he said, evangelism exists because worship doesn't. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of summing it up, but our primary purpose is to worship God. You know, we are called, the, the New Testament is full of commands to evangelize, to spread the gospel, but it all comes from a heart of worship. If we're not worshiping, evangelism is, is pointless. If we're worshiping well, we can't help but share what God is doing. Um, I just want to share that to say our primary purpose when we gather together is worship. It's to come to God. Since the dawn of time when man was created, we were created to worship. And this is a beautiful thing that, that we get to do. So enjoy God. Enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. Jesus said eternal life is that you know the Father and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. Enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. So we are going to be in John this morning. If you have a Bible, open it up to page 613 if it's one of these. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and uh, Taylor Reed will give you one. Jennifer, you need a Bible? Do you know how to read? You can help her read? Okay. Taylor, can you bring them a Bible, please? Oh, Lydia, go get your own Bible. <laughs> um, so we have a bunch of kids with us today, and that's awesome. Um, kids, raise your hand if you're a kid. Okay, okay, Jenna, yes. I'm glad you kids are here. Pay attention, because this will be kind of fun this morning, okay? We're going to learn some things. Um, who here has seen the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, on Stranger Tides? What, what were they searching for in that movie? What were they searching for? You guys haven't seen the movie then. What, what were they searching No, the Fountain of Youth, right? They were searching for the Fountain of Youth, a fountain that if you drank from it, you would live forever. It would, it would give you uh, eternal youth. And we love those movies. Indiana Jones, back when I was a kid, they, had the, they, they found the living water, whatever it was. Well, throughout history, there have been these legends of a river or a fountain of, of youth. Alexander the Great supposedly went looking for it. Uh, the most famous is Ponce de Leon, if I'm saying that right. Now, some argue that he was looking for it, but he wasn't really. But there's these legends of the fountain of youth because we want to live forever. There's something placed in us. And those legends, of course, we've done away with. Surely there's not a fountain of youth. But yet, we're still kind of pursuing this eternal youth, aren't we? With creams and gels and plastic surgery. It, it, do you ever see the like top ten plastic surgery gone wrong? But that just shows, you know, don't don't do it. It's sickening. But but we want we want to stay young forever. We want to live forever. Because eternity has been placed in our hearts. Do you realize you will live forever? We have been made to live forever. Nadia, you've been made to live forever. You will live forever. The question is, where will you live forever? Are we going to live forever in, in paradise, in heaven, or in a place where God doesn't exist, where he isn't, and that's hell, a place separated from God forever? Well, I wanted to start with this to paint a picture because we're going to see Jesus address the kingdom of God to somebody. Because we think of heaven, um, and it's heaven or paradise, or a lot of times it's called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God does start now, but it'll be fully realized later. But I want to get kind of a picture. Let me read to you Revelation 21, 1. And this is painting a picture of the new heaven. This is where we're going to live forever. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will live forever. Revelation 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven 
a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So this new heaven and new earth isn't going to be maybe like you've imagined it. Um, I often, when I was growing up, I imagined heaven as an eternal church service on clouds. And I didn't want to go there. <laughs> because for me, I'm like, you know, singing hymns forever. I mean, it's great to worship, but that sounds really boring. I mean, when I was a kid, I would sit, like in here, I would count how many lines there were up here. Um, and I thought, I'm going to do that forever. But as you read through Revelation, actually, heaven, which is going to be a physical place, not just spiritual, is going to be a bit different. Kids, uh, what else is going to be in heaven? In the kingdom of God. Do you guys know? Raise your hand if you have any ideas. What's going to be there? Animals. animals? I think there will be animals there. We don't know that for sure, but I think there will be. Callie says she wants to ride a tiger. She's convinced there's going to be tigers and she's going to ride one. Gunner, what's going to be in heaven? We each have our own mansion. We're each going to have our own mansion. No, he's right. The Bible says there are in, in the mansion there are many rooms. So yeah, we will have a place to live. Yeah. What else is going to be in heaven? There's going to be a river. Oh, Lydia. There are going to be streets of gold. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a river, and there's going to be a tree, the tree of life, on both sides of the river. Um, and I picture it kind of going out over the river, and we're going to eat the fruit off this tree. Um, I also picture us jumping off the tree into the river and swimming <laughs> around. But, but heaven, when Jesus rose, he had a, a real body. He has a real body, which means when we rise, we will have a new body in a physical place. So it'll be a lot like this, but it'll be perfect. So there's kind of a picture. There is a, there is a paradise. We are going to live forever. But the question is, how do we get there? And that's the question every religion tries to answer. And they have different ideas of what heaven looks like. We have a very real picture of what heaven looks like because Jesus told us about it. And we don't understand everything. We understand just a very little bit. But every religion will tell you what you need to do to get there, how to attain nirvana or how to get your 300 virgins or however many it is. Um, but Jesus answered that question for us. The Bible, the most reliable historical book ever written, tells us what it takes to get there. And so turn with me, please, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And we're going to see a guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is going to meet with Jesus. Let's look at this. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. What's that mean? Any, any kids know what's a Pharisee? Come on, you kids got to know something about that. No? A Pharisee or a ruler of the Jews, they, they were the ones that studied the Old Testament and they knew it very, very well. They knew their Bible very, very well. And they followed the rules very, very well. And they thought that if they followed all the rules perfectly, they would get to go to heaven. They would get to go to paradise. That was kind of the way they thought, was that they, they'd be really, really good. And a lot of them were very judgmental on others. They were the moral police. And that's how they would get. So that this was Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was not a bad guy. Nicodemus was a very good guy. And he was doing his best from what he understood 
to follow God, it appears. So Nicodemus, that's who he is. He's a ruler. He's probably in his 50s. So who here is in their 50s? We need to, okay, so he looked like one of these guys, probably. Okay? <laughs> and, that's, and he's wearing a robe, though. And he comes to Jesus. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him... Now, a lot of people say he came at night because he didn't want to be seen or whatever. He probably came at night because he was busy all day. And he wanted to get Jesus alone and have a good conversation. So, wouldn't you guys, too? If you guys knew Jesus was around, you'd want to talk to him. Well, Nicodemus did, too. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. They're in Jerusalem. Jesus had been doing some miracles. They had seen, and Nicodemus came, and he said, we know. So he's coming on behalf of probably a small group of Pharisees. They got together, they're like, obviously this guy's from God, so go find out more. <laughs> and Nicod they drew straws. Nicodemus, you go. So Nicodemus goes at night, and he says, we know you're from God. He shows him some respect. Um... He says, uh, verse 2, For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And then here's what Jesus says back. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Does that seem weird to anybody? Somebody comes up to Jesus and says, We know you're a teacher from God. And Jesus responds, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Well, that's not what Nicodemus asked. Nicodemus didn't even ask a question. But Jesus knew the question that Nicodemus wanted to ask. And it's the same question that you have probably asked. Haven't you asked that question, how do I get to go to heaven? How can I have eternal life? That's the question everybody, and through most of history, most people believe there's a God. Most people have believed there's an afterlife. This whole new thing of there is no God, that's kind of new, really. That's new in the last 200 years or so. Most people have believed that there's something... And how you get there is what's debated. And so that's what people would debate then too. And that's what this guy wanted to ask Jesus. And that's the question Jesus answered. Because Jesus loved Nicodemus. He knew what Nicodemus needed. And so he says this. He says, unless you're born again, what does he say? You can't even see the kingdom of God, much less get there. He said, you can't even see it. Seems cryptic, right? Seems confusing. But Jesus, being the great teacher that he is, will, will go on. In verse 4, Nicodemus says this. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus often does this. He talks about something physical, meaning referring to something spiritual. And so Nicodemus is, you know, older than me, and he's going, well, how can I go be born again? Can my mother give birth to me again? He's thinking physical, and he's confused. But Jesus, again, he addresses this and he clarifies his meaning in verse 5. He said, Jesus answered, truly, truly, when he says that, he says, hey, pay attention. Truly, truly means pay attention. This is really important. So pay attention. Got it? Very, very important. Truly, truly. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So here's the thing. He says, you must be born of the spirit. That's the key there. You were born once. Raise your hand here if you've been born. Okay, we've all been born. But he says, 
In order to see the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. Because we were all born, but we were born in a certain state. We were born in rebellion against God because of our parents. So kids, look at mom and dad and say, your fault. Your fault. <laughs> my fault, yes. You were born separated from God. You were born in rebellion against God, wanting to do it your own way. So Nicodemus, he thought he could get to heaven by following the rules. He was a rule follower, but he was still in control of following the rules. There's other people that they just turn away and they really rebel and they go do a bunch of sinful things. They get, like to get drunk and do all this other stuff and they go that way. They too, both are in rebellion against God and both need to be born again spiritually. That's what he's talking about. So you were born dead because of sin, because of your parents and because of your grandparents and great-grandparents. Thanks, great-grandparents. All the way back to Adam and Eve. But he's saying, so you, you must be born again. This is confusing for Nicodemus. Um, and he says in verse 8, it makes it even more confusing, it seems like. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay, so here's, here's what Jesus is saying. In order to be, see kingdom of God, in order to go to heaven which is a very physical, awesome place with tigers, I hope, um, that Callie can ride. It's a very real place. And to get there, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? You know, that's really confusing. He says, okay, you have to be born again, but it's born of the spirit. So it's not a physical birth. And it's like the wind blowing. So Jesus is making this point, And Nicodemus understands this, it looks like. He says, you have as much control over yourself being born again as you do of controlling the wind. Do you know where the wind comes from? Right now, that direction. And where's it going? You know, I, I can't make the wind blow. I mean, a little bit. But he's saying, you, you can't control any of this. Just at the same, you cannot control being born again. God does the work in you to make you born again, to give you that new life. Nicodemus had grown up thinking he had to do things to earn it. And that's the same line of thinking now. Ask most people, how do you get to heaven? Most people, and what will they say? I asked somebody this a couple weeks ago, and he told me exactly this. Well, if I, if I do more good than bad, I think I'll get to go. Because I'm a good person, I'll get to go into heaven. That's what most people think. That's what most people think. And that's what Nicodemus was thinking. If I do the right things, I'll get to go. And Jesus is saying, no. No, you're in rebellion against God. You must be born again. Doing the good things isn't going to do it. And there's nothing you can do about it. So imagine Nicodemus, somebody very educated, very smart. Now he's really confused. Well, then what am I going to do? And so he says this in verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Wouldn't you say that too? Well, then I don't get it. This isn't what I've always thought. I, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We bear witness of what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Jesus says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. So here Jesus is transitioning, but he's going to explain it. He's about to explain it, but he says, you are a teacher and you don't even understand these things. By the way, you know what the Bible talks about a lot is that Wise, intelligent people won't get it, but kids will. 
You kids will understand this probably better than us old folks will because it's really not that hard. And we've grown up and now we think we have to do all these things and you guys realize that you're sinners and you, you mess up. And so Jesus is going to explain. He says, you don't get it, but I'm going to help you understand it. And so he tells a story, okay? He tells a story that they would understand. And he says this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. All right. You need to understand this story. So we're going to, we're going to learn this together. This is something that happened a thousand, uh, between one and 2,000 years before, probably 1,500 years before this, this event happened. And it, was, it, it happened in order to point to Jesus. So I need all you kids to come up here. You don't have to if you don't want. But all kids who want to, come up here. You guys are the nation of Israel, okay? Kids, come here. If you want, kids, come here. Yeah, come on. Come on, this is fun. No. Okay, kids, good. You guys are the nation of Israel. Oh, good, hey. Come here, you're the nation of Israel. All of you stand over here. Come here, Finn. It's okay. Yeah, so you're eating. It's okay. Come here. All right. Come on. Come on. All right. This is the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is following God. God takes them out of Egypt. He has set them free, okay? And he's leading them in a, in a very miraculous, beautiful way. You guys are the nation of Israel. I need one Moses. Come over here. This is Moses. Moses is God's God's appointed leader. So you're leading. Everybody's following Moses. But now here's what happens. They've seen great things, but they get sick of the food God is providing. They're not content. God is providing food, but they don't like it. And so you guys start complaining to Moses, we want better food and more water. Complain. You want donuts? Wine. Complain. Hey, I need to oh, lemonade. You want lemonade? Serpent, 
and put it on the end of a staff. Here, don't knock the guitar. Come over here and hold that up. So God, this sounds really weird, but this is what God had to do. Make a bronze serpent, put it on the end of a staff, and walk through the camp with it in the air. So just walk around, walk around through the camp, holding it in the air. And he said, anybody who looks at the serpent will be healed. So if you look at the serpent, you're healed and you can stand up. I uh, swear you're dead already. <laughs> oh, you walked your head, you okay? At least you're dead too. You're already dead. So some people did die. Some people did die. But all those who looked at the serpent would live. Does anybody think that's weird? Yes, it is. It's very weird. Yeah, it is weird. But you got the staff. Can I have it back now? Thanks. Okay, now I'm going to explain it so you guys can go sit down now. Good job. Even those of you who are dead, thank you guys. Good job. Those of you who are dead, you can be alive now. And go back to mom and dad. <laughs> so, look at this. Why did God say, look at the serpent and you will be healed? And those who were in rebellion against God, if they looked, simply looked at it, they'd be like, oh, I feel better. And they'd get up and go. Why would God do it that way? Here, look at it. Okay, you're healed. <laughs> Why would God do it that way? Anybody have any ideas? Faith. Thank you, Lydia. <laughs> yes, faith. God wanted them to trust what he said. And he said, he told them, trust me, look at this and you will heal. If they looked at it with faith, believing that what God said was true, they would be healed. It was all God's power. It was nothing that they could do. He didn't say, go wash in the river and you'll get better. Or do 10 Hail Marys and you'll be better. Or be really good from now on and you'll get he didn't do any of that he said just look at the serpent look at the serpent and you will be healed and that's what they did they looked at it and they were healed and so Jesus refers to that story because good old Nicodemus he knew that story and so Jesus shared a story he would understand and he said being born again is like that being born again you can't do anything about it you're in rebellion against God, and you're going to die because of it. So you need to do like the Israelites did and simply look with faith at Jesus. So look what he says, though. In verse, I'm going to read verse 14 again, John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. How was Jesus lifted up? crucified. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. We've looked at this in previous weeks, but Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross. Jesus was put on the cross, and then it was lifted up in the air and dropped. And that's how Jesus died. He said, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up to die, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, did Jesus stay on that cross? No. He died. They put him in a tomb. And three days later, what happened? What happened? He came back alive. Jesus rose from the dead. And he hung out in his new body. He ate. So I think we're going to have food in heaven. He ate. He hung out. And, and 40 days later or so, what did he do? Not you. Anybody else? What did he do? He ascended. I heard... 
he ascended. So while the disciples were looking on, Jesus was lifted up, but this time in glory. He was lifted up in humility and killed for our sins, for our rebellion. But then he was lifted up in glory as the Son of God, as the King of his kingdom. He was lifted up, and he's now on a throne at the right hand of, of the Father. And so Jesus was lifted up in two different ways, and, and he predicted it. He said, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And now, here is our favorite verse in all the Bible, right? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He already referred to the kingdom of God, and now he calls it eternal life. We will live forever in his kingdom. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is going to come back to judge the world. But the first time, he did not come to judge the world, but to save it. And he saved it by dying on the cross. And what did Jesus say in John 3.16? How do you get to go to heaven? How do you get eternal life? Believe. Believe. Somebody just said it. Believe. But what did he say? He said, believe in. He didn't say believe about. There's a difference there. A lot, of, a lot of Christianity in America thinks that this means you believe about Jesus, meaning you believe he lived. You believed he was a good person. And if you just believe about Jesus, that you get eternal life and you can go on living however you want. But that's not what he said. He said believe in. So we have a president. Who's our president? Obama. Obama. Let's just say, well, okay, do you believe, you believe Obama's the president? Do you believe he is in the White House? He lives there. Do you believe he is the most powerful ruler on earth, really, leader on earth? I, I think he is. I think the United States is the most powerful country in the world. What about Russia? Oh, we could whoop him. <laughs> Russia's powerful, but we're the most powerful. So, do you believe Obama has a lot of, of power in this country? Yeah, okay. So you believe these things about our president. Now, what if we had a special report on our TV? We're at home, the TV, special report, and here comes Obama. And Obama says, we are in imminent danger. Something is going to happen, and I need all of you to go in your houses, close your drapes, lock your doors, and get as low as you can and wait. He said, I can't tell you why. I just need you to trust me and do this. Would you do it? So here's the question. You believe these things about Obama, but if you don't believe in your leader, you wouldn't do it. You'd be outside mowing the grass, whatever. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But if you believed in your leader, if you believed in him, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to trust what he's saying. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to do what he said. That's the difference between belief about and belief in. And Jesus said that in order to see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, you must believe in Jesus. Not just about him, but in him. That's called faith. You must place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and believe about him. There's nothing you do about it. Belief isn't an action. It's not an action. But you believe. And then it's grace. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, 
so no one can boast. If you want to know more about grace, hop on our podcast and listen to two weeks ago, Alex Down on Grace, and it was awesome. But grace, it's a free gift. It's a free gift. And that's what Jesus said. In order to see the kingdom of heaven, you must believe in the Jesus who was lifted up, that he's the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and he rose again for your sins, and you will have life. This is a beautiful thing for the rebellious, but also for the rule follower. If you're one of those that just likes to follow the rules, and you think you earn your way through that, and you judge others because they mess up, that's not going to work for you. If you're one of those that thinks, well, I can do whatever I want, and go my own way, and as long as my good outweigh my bad, you know, maybe I'll get there, or everybody gets there. Well, that's not going to work either. We're all in rebellion. We all need to look at Jesus with faith, place our faith in him, and believe. If you have not done that, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to place your faith in Jesus. We're going to close in two songs, but we wanted to, to provide this opportunity. This is a perfect passage that points to eternal life. And the kingdom starts now. The kingdom is wherever God is in control. That's right now. But it will be fully realized when he comes back. Um, back there at the table in the shade, we're going to have two people available to pray. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, go back there during these two songs, and we're going to pray with you. Alex and Kelsey are going to be available. They're going to pray with you. If you're not comfortable with that, here's the other thing we have. is On some cards, we have a prayer request card. And if you have a prayer request, fill this out and put it in. There's a box in the back that says prayer request. There's also an offering box in the back. If you're visiting, please don't put any money in the offering. That's for our regulars, but that's part of how we worship. We worship through giving, so we wanted to have that there. But fill out this prayer request card. We will pray for you. Put it in there. If you, I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you pray that prayer with me to place your faith in Jesus, I want you to write on here, born again. Put your name. Write on it, born again, and I'll get a hold of you, and we'll talk about that. And then slip it in that box back there. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for being lifted up. Jesus, thank you for making it so understandable that even us kids can get it. We understand that we were born in rebellion against you. We understand that we've proven through our actions our rebellion against you. And Jesus, we also understand and believe that through your grace... You died for us. You paid the penalty that our sin deserved. You died for us. And then you rose again victorious. Lord Jesus, if there's anybody in here that needs to respond to your call of salvation right now, I pray that you would stir their hearts that they would pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've rebelled against you, Father. And I'm sorry. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe in you, and I now trust my life to you. You are now Lord of my life. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you will not remember even one of my sins. Thank you that I am now a, a son or a daughter of the King. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're not saved because you prayed the prayer. You say because your heart is turned toward God, and it's expressed through, through telling him that. If you prayed that prayer, go share it with Alex and Kelsey or fill out the card. If you need to do it, go. Uh, but for the rest of us, let's just close in worship, glorifying Jesus for what he did for us.